rolling the wax paper and rolling the wax paper out and put it in the freezer. Are you making a nut butter doobie? No, I'll smoke it. I mm. eat it. Oh, okay. Can you smoke peanut butter? I don't think you could. You can. You can smoke Should it. Should you? You Should could you? smoke it like you smoke a meat, but I don't think you could smoke it like you smoke yeah. a joint. Absolutely. No. no, not like a joint, but you could smoke it like you smoke crack. Do you have to melt it in a spoon? You'd put it in like the, the little, you know, light bulb things. Yeah. And you'd burn it, and the burning of the peanut butter would turn into smoke, and you inhale that smoke. That seems like, like you a do bad crack idea. or DMT or whatever, you know. I, I don't recommend any of that. Let's cut all. Let's cut all of that. But yeah, uh, yeah. for your health. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, it would be kind of fun to just be like, uh, "Can you smoke peanut butter?" Well, I guess you could go like a potentially like a light bulb. Look, it's a it's a good carryover from the drug blood episode. Yeah, last right. episode was like, we're not going to tell you how to do this because these are bad ideas and be safe. And then the next episode just starts. So if you want to smoke peanut butter. <laughs> Or crack. Here's what you do. Look, I think it's actually pretty. Funny. We're here for a little light mischief. Yes. I don't know if teaching people to smoke crack is light mischief. That's why you beep out the crack. Yeah. If or you, you know the you instruction part. Peanut, yeah. If you want to smoke peanut butter, be in a light bulb, and then I, I have watched. Uh, chemistry like chemist people on youtube when they're like i'm gonna make this really dangerous substance uh to do a demonstration i am going to be blurring out the actual instructions on what i'm doing yeah <laughs> but i'm gonna talk about the science of what i'm doing and i'm like okay please do i get it i mean i lo- would love to just watch this but i understand there's enough people on the planet they're just like but what if i fill a truck with this and take it to a place with undesirables and i'm like oh yeah nope you ruined the fun Speaking of undesirables, hi and welcome to Blank Bodies, a Vampire the Masquerade, V5, Tabletop, and Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, and as always, I'm joined by the affable. Are we the undesirables? Most assuredly. In some cultures. Damn it, I'm John. And I am Sarah. I I I introduced you as affable. I am an affable undesirable. I mean, you are are a delight. (laughs) Why did you cough like a small British coal mining (laughs) child? I mean, look, I understand we have that with the the, What's His Nut Childers video where it's the the two gay uh, Appalachian guys that are coal miners. (laughs) Actually, honestly, that song kind of slaps, but that music video did make me tear up. Yeah. I was just like, oh, they're so so sweet. They're just trying to live a life. And then it gets fucked up, but not because of... Well, homophobia doesn't help, but they don't get killed by homophobia it's it's the black lung black lung the most homophobic of all it is. minor diseases <laughs> i've got the black lung papa <laughs> or you know tuberculosis but i know if we mention it too much because we exist in indianapolis john green will manifest did you know that i have tuberculosis <laughs> wait really yeah because you never actually get rid of it what yeah uh-huh. I i'm that. learning <laughs> i had it when i was in elementary school what yeah. So you just have it forever? So essentially when they, from what I understand, it's been like a very long time since I've read up on it because it doesn't matter anymore, kind of. It shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. But essentially what it does is you have your the, the, the tuberculosis bacteria in your lungs. You mm-hmm. take, take antibiotics and it just kind of goes dormant okay. forever, but it doesn't actually go away. Interesting. Yeah. And so like in order to for me to get like if I ever get patch tests on my arm, mm-hmm. it will always come up positive forever. Oh. Um, so I actually have to do a patch test. Oh, it's positive. Yes, we know. Thank you. Do an x-ray. And mm-hmm. that's how they have to tell if I have tuberculosis. It's wild. That is wild. Yeah. That's I had kinda... to take these antibiotics that were like the size of like the f- 
probably at the time it was probably the second joint of my pinky. Mm. Now it's probably the, like the first joint of my pinky. Oh, that's worse. Yeah, I was little, and it was big. It was yeah. not fun. I can't donate blood, not because I'm a queer. That doesn't help, but it is because uh, I ate beef in Britain during the foot and mouth pandemic. Mm. I don't have bad cow, as far as I know, but they're still just like, hey, d-. no. I can't donate blood for the, kind of not quite the same reason, but it's the tuberculosis. Um, I went to a blood center once because I was going to donate, and they're mm. like. Have you ever been, you know, diagnosed with this, 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 this? One of them was TB. And I was like, yeah, I had TB when I was like in elementary school. They're like, oh, do you have paperwork that you were treated? And I was like. I was a child. I was so. like, hello, I am here. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yeah, but we need paperwork to show that you were treated because you can't, you can't like, you know, take your blood like that. And I was like, I got it when I was in elementary school. It eats your lungs. Yeah. So this is this is the secret to you being a hot goth is because you got the tur- the tuberculosis. I got the tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I just can't donate because of all the amphetamines. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's because your brain's fucked up. Yeah. ADD. Yeah. I also can't fail a drug test because I'll always test positive for amphetamines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you could fail for other stuff. Yeah. No. Well, so, I wouldn't. I'm an angel. That's true. Yeah. Yes, that is true. So. Uh, this will be out post-Gen Con. Hey, thanks yes. for coming and hanging out. Yeah. You're a we're, darling. We're excited. You're uh, a sweetheart. We're, we're excited to see, see your faces, maybe maybe uh, enjoy some foods and things and those who came to the panel. Hooray. Hopefully we didn't fuck it up. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we did. Well, we apologize greatly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're at that panel and you got one of the physical copies of the neat little zine, uh, we literally just finished putting 200 together by hand. So... Mm-hmm. I punched a stapler like 430 times. times Oh, yeah. There were quite a few fuck ups. My fists are strong. D I Y. D I Y. Anyways, yeah. So we're all uh, brain fucked. And so to prevent us from being super brain fucked, we're recording now. So, yeah. Hooray. Time is amazing and the power of editing. So uh, we're doing a small little uh, fireside chat. Yay. The fire's lit fit episode it's obvious none of us are vampires because we're sitting next to this campfire or we have a really high resolving composure you think i have a higher resolving composure no i know you don't oh my god there's a fire in my house is there a fire don't talk about it just it's fine there is a fire inside it's fine i thought we were in my recording studio what's going what are you guys talking yeah anywho uh (laughs) don't worry about it i had some delicious snacks earlier you did i had a perrier that was pretty, that was the highlight of my day. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so there were some interesting uh, questions and uh, issues brought forth in our little Patreon chat in the Discord. So we thought now would be a good time to kind of go over some of those and do a quick chitty chat. Yeah, this is not a Q&A episode like we've done in the past. These were uh, kind of some targeted questions that we asked in our patron chat. Uh, because. Yeah. We, we will do another Q&A, but if you've submitted questions to the Q&A and we haven't gotten to them yet and you've, you're not being left out, we just are not doing that. So that's not what I just wanted to clarify because I know people yeah. have been putting questions in there. So mm-hmm. Yeah, because we've done parts one and two on consent in gaming and now we're in kind of part three where it's like the advanced classes of just uh, situational things that come up in games regularly that people are just like, well, what do input and nah. here is the put to in. Yes. God, we're gonna sound so fucking smart on this episode. Jesus Christ! Uh- <laughs> it's okay. I've I had my throat spray, so at least I sound angelic. Mm-hmm. That's true. You had a throat spray? Yeah, it's for singers. 
<laughs> I hit a couple. I punched a stapler four hundred and thirty times. Leave me alone. It was great. It was a wonderful. You were excited. It was. About it. it was really fun for the first like three hundred and eighty. <laughs> that bit at the end where you're just like. Mm. It was like my hand hurts. <laughs> this thing is made of metal. We have to suffer for art. It, sometimes. Uh, but you don't didn't, have to. Uh, didn't suffer. we do a whole episode about how you don't have to suffer for art? You don't have to, but you can. Oh, the, okay. Right, there we go. And sometimes Sorry. it makes the art a little bit more powerful. Yeah, BDSM kind of Hell situation. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to suffer with concepts about player agency and storyteller planning. That is true. Yes. Uh, that was not my smoothest segue. But and you do have to deal with that. but You do. Yeah. But you don't have to suffer through it. It's true. So a question people were uh, asking us about was, how do players make choices in a world that is designed to crush them? Which you I just think do is your best. Which is kind of valid. Cause, yeah. Yeah, World of Darkness is a uh, actively hostile setting. Mm-hmm. There are definitely more hostile settings, but they're also much less hostile. Yeah, because, you know, there's a big proponent of the TTRPG community that they just kind of play Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm not saying that those game worlds can't be grimdark or uh, brutal or aggressive, but. A lot of times people are just kind of doing a meme-filled ha-ha, uh, we just left the Shire kind of fantasy adventure. Or we're going through a dungeon and we're killing everything without question. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, John Wick with a lot of stonework, which is fine. Which it, I'm down for. Yeah, d sometimes... is a great system for that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just want to dual-wield hand crossbows. <laughs> or great malls. Yeah. yeah, which is great. Uh, but yeah, when you have a setting that is actively in the way of characters pursuing their wants and desires or is actively set up to be a, you know, a hierarchy where you're just like, look, you, you down here, I up here, Mm -hmm. you do thing. I can understand where there might be times where that's kind of demoralizing or intimidating to handle because you're just like, I want people to have fun, but I don't want to put this on baby's first vampire mode. Right. Because some folks are like, yeah, no, I like the cool, edgy, 90s, 2000s, politicky, da, da, da. And they're like, I don't want to run on what we do in the Shadows game. But I also, you know, want to keep it fun for the friends. So um, things that at least I have done on uh, the care- or player side of things that I've found that kind of help is looking at uh, literary and historical figures that have succeeded in rebelled against revolutionized or reformed systems for inspiration. So if you're just kind of like... I'm joining a Camargria game and I don't know how to politic and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm like, just go find some characters and books that did really good at the thing you're wanting to do or go find historical figures and be like, how did you get around the French Revolution? Yeah. Get some fucking ideas. I also, um, what I like to do when I'm in a new system, Mm -hmm. I just also play a character who doesn't know what the fuck's going on and then you get to learn together. Mm-hmm. It's a learning experience for you and your player character. You don't have to ruin immersion by being a dumbass if you're just like, I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's part of the character. You just it says gotta, it right here. <laughs> you've got to embrace the, your inner himbo. Yep. Yes. Yep. You have to pull out the all of the Kenergy. All of it you can. Every... So it turns out patriarchy is not about horses. <laughs> I haven't it's really seen, a bummer. I haven't seen that. I haven't been able to get a cam rip yet. Damn. It's good. <laughs> I I won't watch a movie unless I can see the inside of a movie theater on someone's like handy cam. Yeah. 
This is this is the fullest extent of his auteur. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my favorite is I had a copy of uh, Clerks 2 mm-hmm. where you could just see people getting upset and leaving like throughout the movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I love that so much. But yeah, uh, if you're just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I might need some guidance, you can play a character that's naive and needs fucking help. Um, I also find uh, niching yourself into a task or something tends to help where if your goal, if you're just like, I don't know what to do or how I'm going to succeed if your job is bodyguard, guard bodies. (laughs) Don't let the person you're in charge of die. Yeah. You're doing a great job. Yeah. If you play a bodyguard to someone who knows what's going on, you'll know what's going on because they'll tell you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or you'll be present at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also kind of scale this to how you want. So you can just be like, look, man, I just want to run a bookstore. That's all I do. That's all I want. I just, I do book. Mm -hmm. This is my vibe. I do book. And my asshole friends just keep roping me into all this bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because then at least uh, if you're unsure of how you're going to function and succeed in a setting, just lean into some shit you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I end up doing that a lot where I'm just like, okay, especially if it's like newer groups of uh, players or we've like changed the dynamics and we're like, we're letting somebody else story tell. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. Usually I try to be like, what if I just lean in some shit I already know so I'm comfortable and then we can kind of, yes, and the the, right. the new aspects. Yeah. You also can just play a character who either doesn't step on a lot of toes mm-hmm. or would be inconvenient to have to replace. Even if it's something like menial. Mm-hmm. Be like, but I am the person who works at the morgue. You're going to tell the prince he's got to find someone else to work at the morgue? It's an important job. <laughs> no one gives a shit, but it's important. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, just make a lot of friends so that, like, if somebody fucks with you, they're just like, look, I know you can kick my ass. I get that. But Jerry the arsonist is like homies and everything will be on fire. <laughs> so many things. Like Camera pans back in the to the very back wall of Elysium where... Uh, he's just flipping open a Zippo, not lighting it, just a... I have to ask, is there a reason you, your eyes bleefully <laughs> flitted on me when you said Jerry the Arsonist? <laughs> I mean, you've set an inordinate amount of things on fire over the course of our friendship. In-game and out. Yeah, so, you know, it's... Eh. Remember there... the time we blew up a vacuum while it was running? Yeah. That was scary. Yeah, the, it was not as bad as the time we blew up a PC... With a fuckload of fireworks, but like we had it set so that the PC was closed, and we're like, oh yeah, we'll just shove it full of fireworks, and they'll blow up, and like some of the sparks will get through the vents, whatever. But like we set it, the fuse went to the PC, and like right before the fuse went into the tower itself, that one panel fell over, and it just towards us, and so all of the rockets flew at us, and we're all like, we literally have. Uh I was like, I have literally no time to duck. I was like, I just have to accept what's happening. Close my eyes and my mouth. We also used to play that game where we just put a a Roman candle in a like two liter bottle and lit it in a garage full of garbage, and it's like, don't get hit. My favorite one Mm -hmm. of that we used to do though was when we cleared out the garage and we had a tireless bike wheel, Mm -hmm. and we had four Roman candles that we duct taped to the edge. That facing was the same much. direction, and we lit it and spun it. That mm-hmm. was the best. Well, that, that was, was the best, except for the fact terror that that was chaos. the year we bought the wrong fucking Roman candles. And they, they were explodable ones? Yeah, so the yes. ones, so instead of shooting out and going, <laughs> you know, it They're... was, 
Yeah, so I had a scar on my thigh because I did know they were exploding ones. And if they were, I would have worn proper trousers, but it was the fucking 4th of July. So I was wearing like hoochie daddy shorts. And (laughs) it was my favorite. But it was also pitch black in there. And that happened. It shot, hit my thigh, exploded, left a scorch mark, and it was dark. And I was like, there is no escape. I just must avoid the flames (laughs) for like five minutes. It was so good. Oh, God, we should have died. But speaking of dying or not dying, uh, my last little like as a player, uh, if you're having anxiety about the setting being harsh, is there is the seventh tradition. That's true. Which is don't get caught. We did a Mm -hmm. whole episode on that. Yeah. It's called The Masquerade. Yeah. Well, it's like the unofficial uh, tradition within vampire games where it's like, I understand that the rules say X, Y, and Z, but, you know, if you just be a little guy and do your things and just, you know, as long as you're cautious enough, it's fine. Just just like, I'm worried I'm going to, if I do the thing, there's going to be ramifications. And I'm like, yeah, but if you don't do the thing, there won't be a story. Just do it. Right. And if you do the thing quietly and well enough, there might not be so many ramifications. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just one of those like, hey, sometimes just just fucking go for it and see what happens is kind of the fun of the games but you know if you're having uh anxieties and issues and whatnot there's ways you can calibrate things and work with stuff on uh on the side with your storyteller which speaking of uh a big thing with storytelling i would say is go over the themings and the ratings and the harshness of your games at session zero Mm -hmm. yes people don't do that enough and it drives me insane because everybody has different ideas and perceptions of like how a gothic horror game is going to go. Yeah. We've done a bunch of episodes about session zero mm-hmm. being about like consent and people's like lines and veils and making sure everyone's comfortable. That's important. Session zero also just needs to be how is this game going to function? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you need a baseline of what the game is. Like if you were going to play a D&D game mm-hmm. and I bought a book that was an adventure. And I said, okay, we're playing through this adventure. It is a dungeon. You're going to get a little bit of story and a dungeon. Build a character for a dungeon. Mm-hmm. And then everyone says, that sounds fun. Then you don't want to show up with the character who's like, well, I built a character to role play. And actually, they can't fight. You might not have fun in that game that you were told to build a character to go through dungeons. Right. Yeah. So in the same, I think, works in Vampire. But the problem is it's a lot. it's harder to have that kind of conversation, I think. Because you can do so many things with the setting and places. So it's a little vague and amorphous what i tend to do Mm -hmm. is when i've run games i give like basically kind of a style talk Mm -hmm. like these are some kind of things i want to focus on i tend to have a lot of mystery in my games Mm -hmm. uh i like investigation and that kind of thing and then ask the players like what are your what characters do you have in mind and what do you want to see out of this game and then i take notes and i add that to what i was planning Mm -hmm. so i kind of then plan my campaigns take my ideas and kind of wrap that around what the players want out of it, which is, I think is a good way. So like you want a really political game, but you have a guy who's like, I just want to beat people up and use my cool powers. And you don't have a person who's like, oh, I just want to like gossip in Elysium and be real bitchy. You can make all that work. Mm-hmm. Again, multiple scenes happening at once. You know, yeah. the real bitchy person is like using their real bitchiness to distract someone so that political person can get other political person mm-hmm. in a room alone and have a conversation while punchy guys in the basement beat the living hell out of, you know, a political guy's bodyguard. Yeah. But, um, like, I at least for our games, I've had a lot of success with utilizing what I've called the smash cut. Yeah. 
which there will be, oh God, I've run games where there's like three scenes happening simultaneously. And it it kind of works well for at least our group because we're all ADHD riddled motherfuckers. Wee. So we, we, <laughs> uh, but at least with the smash cut method, you can do the scene with the one or two characters and have like a little intense moment. And if you're somebody that pays attention to like editing and film, you can kind of plan the scene in a way where you're like, okay, I'm starting to see a narrative beat where there can be a pause and you just go, okay, smash cut group B. Boom. And then, you know, kind of get... And you leave the tension. In yeah, it's so yeah. good because you can leave so many cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. And then people are just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Is he going to die? Oh, fuck. It, all, it also helps in for players in intense moments like mm-hmm. that where it may start to kind of feel like the, the glove is coming down and you are fucked. Mm-hmm. A smash cut like that will also give your players time as players to think about it mm-hmm. and go, okay, we're fucked. How can we at the very least be less fucked? Oh, you know? yeah. So that'll that'll give your players time to, to work out the problem so they don't feel as quite as oppressed. And they don't feel as on the spot. Exactly, yeah. So if you have like a big reveal or a big turn in the situation, mm-hmm. essentially, if you say you're running like a com- it like a combat where it's like, all right, your turn went, you, you talked a little bit. Um, the person you're talking to made a big reveal that changes everything you thought about the, what you were talking about. Now we're going to go watch the two idiots punch each other. Um, and you talk about that <laughs> and that gives that person to pro- time to process for a second. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because as supernatural vampires, you process faster than humans. You do. You can. You, yeah, mo- most of the time. So it would make sense that like time might pause for a moment for your character to like, oh my. Yeah, and I found that just helps to, like, keep people engaged in each other's stories, mm-hmm. being able to, like, pivot. So it's like, okay, this really intense scene is happening. Okay, we're getting to a narrative beat now. Smash to car chase. Let that go for a while. And it gives, like, the other people time to, like, go get a soda, chit-chat amongst themselves, figure out what the fuck they're going to do, scheme. Right. And then you can be like, all right, smash cut back. And then everybody's just, like, actually paying attention to each other's stories and just, like, you know, invested in a way where you're just like, ah, oh, this is fun. Because I, I personally find it a good ST moment where if I'm running, a, doing the smash cut bouncing between two or three groups and if the players are that are not in the scene are engaged enough that they're just low key like, hey, man, you should just stab him. <laughs> just like giving little like editor's notes. I'm like, OK, I've done good. Yeah. So. Also, like, I know it's kind of trite at this point as much mm. as it's said, but like the don't split the party thing specifically for D&D because you're typically running an adventure that's built for four characters at level 15. Mm-hmm. And Vamp- lots of combat built around that. Va- even if there's lots of combat, though, or you have things planned like that, if you're doing a pre-written adventure like that, that makes sense that this is how things are going to work. But a game like Vampire, you never know. The one tough guy might go in alone, right. and the other players might just hide, uh-huh. or they might sneak off to do something else. Like you, as an ST, I think should plan on I giving everyone a little bit to mm-hmm. do and not just be like, okay, we're all doing one combat scene. Okay, now we're doing one social scene where we're all talking. I think it keeps it interesting and it keeps people from disengaging when they're like, well, I put no points in combat skills, so I'm going to uh, hit obfuscate in the corner. Let me know when it's over. Right. Yeah, which at that point, uh, this kind of leads into a thing I'd written in this, this little baby script, which is, all systems have cracks. So while you might have a ultra uber powerful Ancelle or Elder or Methuselah, they literally can't keep track of every fucking thing that just, like, Kane can't even do that. So right. fuck. And he's know. not even statted. Right? He's so powerful, there's not a stat block for him. <laughs> so yeah, so if you're having a scene like a big combat 
or you know, yeah, you're having like a big combat in like a nightclub, and then you have characters in the coterie that are not built for doing John Wick punchies. That's fine. Because then you have, you know, cracks in the system where you're like, okay, if this person's hiding behind the bar, you can be like, hey, man, give me a wits and awareness. And then, you know, depending on how well they do, you can be like, hey, you found a shotgun under the bar that either you've got dots and firearms or you could chuck the weapon at your coterie mate or you're hiding behind the bar and the guy you've been tailing you see goes through the back and he's trying to escape through the kitchen. Right. You can give little nuggets and beats for people to interact with or, you know... Uh, give them options where if they're engaging with something that seems like an impossible thing to overcome, you can give them a beat to be like, oh, hey, I noticed that uh, (laughs) some sort of, you know, weakness where it's like, hey, give me a uh, etiquette and intelligence to remember something. And like, oh, yeah, you're talking to this guy and you remember, oh, yeah, he seems particularly close to like one of the ghouls at Elysium. So now you can use that as a Oh, hey, is Michelle going to be cool with what you're doing? Da, 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 da. So I find if you're worried about being overbearing or you're taking away player agency, asking, taking a moment to either pause and ask the player like, hey, uh, what kind of things would your character be thinking in the moment or giving them a beat to lean into skills that they have to be like, okay, I can either get out of this for like a beat or two or I can say something that will... uh, make the other party uh pause or something even if it's just something fucking wild yeah just for a second so that they can like go and recoup yeah or you know give a spotlight moment for another player to come and like help a buddy Mm -hmm. because it's like i was actually playing a game a good example of this i was playing in a game where there i was in a combat scenario where it was a big bad scary guy versus Mm -hmm. like our coterie Mm -hmm. and big bad scary guy was currently holding one of our coterie members by the legs beating him using him to beat one of our other coterie members into a wall yeah it was real scary Mm -hmm. and we're all like we don't know what the fuck we're gonna do Mm -hmm. and out of nowhere our gangrel buddy jumps from the first or the the, like ground floor Mm -hmm. into the sub sub basement where this big baddie had like crashed through the ceiling Mm -hmm falls through and does like a superman punch to the back of the dude's head um unfortunately did not do like almost any damage soaked it but it was a really cool moment to like Mm -hmm. give us that one that character a spotlight and two bring us that glimmer of like yes okay he's distracted now we can like regroup yeah you got like a round of just like rallying the troops at least exactly and there's also an option i think people forget about especially in v5 which is succeeding at a cost yeah. If a player is like absolutely fucking stumped or is absolutely just stressed or just thinks that there's no way around things, you can literally be the devil's advocate and offer like, okay, cool. You think you and character can succeed at what you're doing, but there will be a hang up later on in the game or you're going to suffer a complication right now. And you can kind of just do a quick negotiation and give them the little fucking nugget. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I can give you a uh, memory of some sort of intel that you need that you can use for this thing. But revealing this at this moment is going to cause you to like lose a uh, face with another P- NPC later on. Like, are you cool with that? Or very, there's multitudes of other options. Mm-hmm. So succeed at a cost is super helpful to be like, hey, players can still have agency, even if the odds seem way too much. Right. And there's nothing wrong with running to fight another day. If they, your players, if you see that your players seem really overwhelmed and they're ready to get out, 
maybe give them a backdoor and like let them mm-hmm. get the fuck out and regroup and replan. Even the players might start to feel stressed when a combat starts to go tits up and it's like, all right, we're all about to either get knocked out or rampage. It looks like people are less having less fun, being more stressed. Sometimes just giving them like an out Mm -hmm. and be like, yeah, you guys fucked up. You didn't get what you went there to do done. Mm -hmm. But like you survived another day. You got some information. You get to regroup and live another night. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. even that's enough to kind of smooth things out a little bit. They know you're on their tail, but you know that you were right to be on their tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you guys can regroup at the club and yell at each other for an hour. Right. <laughs> About who fucked up what, when and where. Because sometimes that's fun. Like, this might just be me as, like, mm-hmm. a, when I run games and stuff, but, like, even in, like, really nasty situations, mm-hmm. for me, the rule of cool kind of goes, like, a decent way. Mm-hmm. Vampire less, I guess so, but like, especially if it's like something cool that your character would think of and would it makes sense that your character is doing that's weird and creative, mm-hmm. I will totally just be like, this is going to be easier for you, even though it might actually supposed to be harder. It's a really cool, creative way of doing that. Oh, yeah. Please reward people when they think up stuff, even if it's kind of batshit. Like, within bounds of reason, obviously. But, yeah, I I have run into a lot of situations where storytellers and players are like, it's a World of Darkness game. It's supposed to be really brooding and dark and da-da-da-da. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But if every solution I am coming up with gets shot down, like, I don't know why I'm engaging with this. Like, why aren't you just writing a book at this point? Blade is super edgy and cool and brutal and dark, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Some of his weird-ass batshit moves work really well. Sometimes. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes motherfuckers always be ice skating uphill, which is a yes and. Yeah. Also, again, I keep using an example just because I feel like it's such a entry-level game, but it's like D&D, unless you're playing Vampire, like a series of urban dungeons where they're literally just punching their way to the top of a building and you've, mm-hmm. that's what you've designed it to be. My goal when I'm designing encounters for my players is never to outright kill them. Mm -hmm. Like, my goal is never to beat or outwit my players. Um, I try and give them balanced fights. Like, you might get the shit kicked out of you and decide to leave. You might get knocked out and have consequences. My goal is usually not like, okay, I'm going to kill these my players. So if you're designing like that, your players might not expect that. And it's going to be a lot harder to keep a like more coherent and adult story when people keep losing player characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they won't be. I mean, like <clears throat> if I were playing a game that I was not expecting, like bring two character sheets and I bring my character sheet and I'm all excited to like build a story for this guy. Mm-hmm. And then I decide to do something weird or goofy. Like that's an interesting try to fix it. And then it's like, and the dude dies. I'd be like, well, shit. Yeah, and you can use yes okay. ending as a way to, like, pivot. Where somebody's like, I got this really wild idea. I'm doing a fucking Hail Mary because I don't know what else to do. I'm stressed. You can be like, okay, I see you're a little Hail Mary. We're going to take it. And I'm not saying no, but maybe just slightly tweak what you're doing and we can just kind of push it on. Because yeah. the idea at the core of it isn't bad, but what you're doing is literally going to absolutely fuck everything I have written as a storyteller. And I personally, as a storyteller, cannot think of a way around what you've just said. So I'm just kind of like, I'm not going to say no, but can we do this instead? Okay, cool. Yeah. And another thing I think that helps too, to give players agency, even when they're 
fucking up. And I think all three of us ha- mm-hmm. do this as STs. But like when someone gets a crit fail, mm-hmm. like that sucks. Things are going to get worse for them. Mm-hmm. But give your player an option or two of how things get worse. Like, okay, so you were trying to pick a lock. Mm-hmm. and you crit failed. So do you want to, would you rather the lock break and you just can't get in? You know this lock is fucked. You got to find another way in. Or do you want to make a bunch of noise and maybe you can get it, but someone may have heard you. Mm-hmm. Like little things like that where it's mm-hmm. like, this situation is falling downhill. Which direction would you like to fall down this hill? Yeah. Even that yeah. is a choice that helps their players stay engaged and feel like they're still doing something, even mm-hmm. when it's bad, because they're still influencing the story. They're still making choices. They may not be good for their player, but it's still interesting. Right. And it very much will change the dynamic of what happens next. I also very much like for like crit fails specifically, <laughs> a if you decide that you don't want to give them that choice, still give them like a tiny itsy bitsy little cookie. Mm-hmm. Like... For that example, you know, you try to pick the lock, you fuck up, you hear the alarm go off, mm-hmm. you can hear the footsteps coming, you know, party member says, oh, uh, heightened senses, cool. You can tell they are, you know, 45 feet down the hallway. Mm-hmm. That gives you two rounds of initiative. Let's roll initiative. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they get two turns to do what they need to do to prepare, but then they're going to be in a fight or they're going to be chased, or, you know, chased or whatever. Yeah. They're either gonna so have they're to still like... really screwed. That's a bad situation. Mm-hmm. But they still have that little bit of advantage of like, we knew we screwed up. We got to move, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, you know, if it's the the lock is jammed, everything's fucked. You had it's like, okay, you can either roll it again, but the difficulty is more is higher because you, you've you jammed the fucking lock. Yeah. Part of your pick <laughs> is stuck in there right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, you know, you need somebody who's like, hey, uh, you with potent <laughs> pissed and kicked the door. There you go. Fuck it. It's your turn to pick the lock with yeah. your foot. Yeah. The alarms are going. <laughs> Fuck it, we don't have to be subtle now. Right. <laughs> There's tons of options. But yeah, overall, this is a uh, issues with the group are just going to require everybody to be able to talk to each other frankly and trust each other and be open about what needs to be adjusted. This is a cooperative game. This is a team game, including the storyteller. Mm-hmm. So storyteller is working with you, not against you. Mm-hmm. That is the goal. Uh, so the next thing that folks were asking about was long-term projects and plots. What do you mean? Well, we're not going to like get into like how a long-term project works and that kind of stuff because that's something that will that's actually a whole be coming next. That's a whole mechanic. I literally am working on the script that will be coming in soon. But this is just kind of an overarching like why would you bother doing this in a game Okay. kind of a thing. Um, the options could be like this is literally just the plot of the game. Mm-hmm. It's just your entire Coterie's project is to uh, – we need to build up the, you know, the neighborhood that we live in so we can gain status in the city. It could be a heist movie. Right. Tons of options. Like, the long-term project could just be the puck and story of the game. Uh, these could also be uh, steps that help the Coterie build themselves up to achieve bigger goals. So it's like, okay, if the goal is we're going to take over the city and get us all onto the Primogen Council or whatever. Cool. To do that is going to require you to do X, Y, and Z steps. So each of you is going to have different longer projects to build your shit up or mm-hmm. eliminate enemies. Various options. Uh, having a project for a coterie to work on is a good way to build cohesion and unity within the group. Because a lot of times in coteries, it's just like a, all right, y'all been assigned to work together. Be friends. <laughs> it's like I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> just like I don't, I don't know you. You don't go here. And. <laughs> Being able to give them a project where everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. We can all use our unique skills and abilities to make this thing work. Right. And then that will help, like, 
build trust and cohesion in a sense of like, oh, okay, yeah, this guy's a dick, but I know that I can trust them to do X, Y, and Z because they've helped me with things in the past. So mm-hmm. good way to get the game rolling. And uh, you could use various long-term projects as a way to highlight aspects of a character uh, within a coterie to help build the story. So it's like even if the plot or the coterie itself isn't working on a long-term project, there could be somebody in the group that's like uh, trying to move uh, exhibits into the city for the museum because they have a lot of cultural attachments to a country that they're from. You could have people that are just like, they run a casino. I mean, uh, run a garage with like for bikers. Gideon for a while was mm-hmm. acquiring those shipping docks so that mm-hmm. he could get into the circulatory system, but he didn't care about a circulatory system. He was trying to use that to funnel anarchs from Gary to Milwaukee through Chicago. And he's like, But if I did it on a boat, but if I did it on a boat and I told him I was moving humans, mm-hmm. they're not gonna care. Yeah, and having that aspect is something that the other players could engage with because they're just like, Why is Gideon always going to the fucking docks? Well, we ended up being his money guys. Yeah. We ended yep. up like backing your business. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is actually a good investment. One of the other players was an accountant. And then I was just like the guy with the money. So I was like, I'll put up the money for this. But then I get a cut of all the money you make off it. And you're like, but you were like, I don't really care about the money. I'm just trying to move Anarch. So it yep. kind of worked for everybody. Yep. Yeah. And or, you got to piss off Ballard, which is like. Yeah. Yeah. Plus Ballard. Ballard's like my biggest enemy. So <laughs> him and that racist Irish guy whose name I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Balthazar. Balthazar. Yeah. Oh, I was after Balthazar. You were out for Balthazar. Um, I was going to say another good one that's kind of more of a side, a real mm-hmm. side character that anyone else got into was uh, in our games, uh, our Bono Hakim mm-hmm. had a car that he worked on all the time and that was his long term project and like he like put time and effort into building this car and jazzing it up and like most of us didn't really ever get involved in the car itself but like when he had to drive places and he drove his car, like, it was a cool fucking car, and yeah. he put the time into getting that car where it needed to be to oh, do that. Yeah, yeah, like, over the course of the game, I was giving him bonus die because he had invested so much time into the car itself to be like, yeah, no, the car's really good with handling. I think he had had a plan to put nitrous in it so it would have, like, you know, speed bursts for various reasons. Uh <laughs> like hidden caches for that guy yeah and like hidden (laughs) caches for weapons in it so it's like okay cool you have a one dot armory in the car right and it was kind of a cool little uh moment to highlight his character because a lot of the times when you guys were together he was kind of quiet and stoic so being able to give him a moment of him just dadding out working on the car in his haven was kind of fantastic Mm -hmm. like he would even like play like pull up music at the table that he was playing in the garage while he's working at the car. <laughs> I thought it was so adorable. And it's like, look, the guy who's just like a badass military guy is like eh, he just he just vibes. He sits here, works on his pneumatic, works on his truck. Is it a truck? What <laughs> yeah. was it? I it was forget. like a muscle car. Of yeah. Some sort. yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a four seater muscle car. So not really a it's an older style muscle yeah. car. Yeah. But like, yeah, he put just put a ton of time into it. Like he, it was a real car that he looked up and had like info on. And, right. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was a cool character moment that like didn't really require anyone else playing mm-hmm. to like input it at all. He got his own scene that like because his character also was like literally he was just hired by me. Mm-hmm. My character literally just paid him to be around, so he wasn't. He became invested, but his character didn't have, like, a big reason to be there other than, well, that guy's paying me to be here. So I think that gave him 
the ability to have his character get his own scenes, mm-hmm. even though and he's not emotionally invested in like what's going on with my club, right? And yeah, and stuff like that. Which yeah. as a player, he thought that was fun, mm-hmm. and he so yeah. And also gave excuse to have NPCs just be like, "Oh man, that's a cool car," and he would just fucking nerd out about all the work he'd been doing on it. It was constant. He was. I'm sorry, just, I thought it was great when we got to the point where he got invested enough in the coterie where he started inviting you guys to his garage to work on the car together. And I'm just like, this is so weirdly wholesome. You guys have, like, stabbed so many people. You guys have shot up so many people. You've hurt a lot of humans. There's so many dead people. Yeah, yeah, the the second Inquisition wasn't paying attention to that. At all. And a werewolf. Yeah, that's true. A couple. Uh, Yeah. I think that was just me, though. That was mostly your fault, yeah. Yeah, You gotta take the boys hunting sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes you gotta do that. So, when is a good time to bring up a long-term project uh, that's really going to depend on your chronicle and group and story? I don't really have a good hard and fast rule on this. Um, I would say... Only on the second date. (laughs) There you go. Um, I was going to say, because it's, quote, a long-term project, Mm -hmm. you don't want to start those second-to-last session of your story your chronicle um if you're gonna run something as a long-term project it should be a goal that they have early early on to like maybe midway through like they have the time to put time into the project Mm -hmm. so it shouldn't it should be something that you know they either from really early on know they want or maybe it's just something their character wants yeah oh go ahead maybe we could talk real quick about like Let's talk about time frame specifically in game. How long should a long term project maybe take, or how many sessions would you think that focusing on long term? That's also just take? Uh, really dependent on the game you're running and the right. time scale and stuff. Because like uh, a game I'm in that's set in Seattle, uh, we did our first major story arc in Seattle, set in 1994, and then uh, that's where I was like, hey, I would like to continue the story with this group. So do you guys, would you guys be cool with, we do basically like a decade time skip and we just see how everything has progressed in the city for you guys over that time. Mm -hmm. And we're all just like, yeah, that's really fucking cool. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, not super fun for me in character because I'm playing Abana Hakim in that one in 2006 is a little spicy. It's a little spicy. Um, but, uh, yeah, there were a bunch of project roles for, cause I think all of us in that coterie are part of like either the primage and Like one of the guys in our group is the prince of the city now. Okay. So there's like lots of projects that people focused on. Uh, and that that storyteller's having us each do like a one-on-one. Hey, we're going to talk about what you've done for 10 years and kind of see where you're at. And then we're going to start picking up the Chronicle at this point. So yeah, my session for that was a lot of me kind of just being like okay the long-term project was being really invested in the local university and being involved in student life and uh going to anti-iraq war protests and getting arrested (laughs) because i'm just like yeah uh this war is legal and that's unjust and i'm a judge and that's kind of my thing and also like a lot of my clan lives over there like you guys stop blowing them up please that bothers me and so there's that but you can also have long-term projects where the long-term project is something you got to do over the course of like a few days a few weeks mm-hmm. it's something that's not going to get done within a session or two right so that that's kind of a, just a play it by ear i suppose okay yeah i mean i've also had sts who are like okay what are your guys's next goals from here well x thing you said is what we're going to do next session Mm-hmm. So this, this, and this, you guys can do that during your downtime. This event is in one week in game. 
So you guys have a week. Tell me what you're going to do. That's a really good time to work on projects, too, if you space things out a little bit. Mm -hmm. It also keeps the game from feeling like every day this happened. And then the next day, like every day doesn't need to be like a huge event. And it makes it a little more realistic to kind of pace it. And it gives the game more time when you're like three session, three, four sessions in. You're like, oh, fuck, we've been at this for a month. Yeah, I would definitely say uh, this is kind of where the defrag time it becomes really important because the post-game chit-chats is where you're going to be able to gauge uh, players' interest in doing certain activities or going after certain goals and plot lines. And then you can be like, okay, cool. This is where you're at. This is what you're doing. Um, how do you want to handle the project? How do you want to handle the roles? Uh, how much are you going to invest in this? Are you going to get people to help you? You can actually like do the plans and figure that all uh, during the defrag just lay on a post. Like, hey, guys, what you doing? What you want to do? Mm-hmm. I have these ideas. What you thinking? Just drop little nuggets of... I have so many sites to show you. <laughs> if you're interested, do you want to open the box? And actually just a thought I had now, especially if you're running these projects like one-on-one or mm-hmm. during in-between session time, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I think that also might be a good time to go back to our more overall consent is say one ca- one or two players have something marked as like a fade to black. Mm-hmm. Like you can mention it, but I don't want to deal about it. Mm-hmm. But I built a character to do that thing. Well, they can do that in their B time scene. Like that could be something you and the ST do one on one. Maybe a couple of the players who are going to be involved in that have like a side scene in between sessions, play by text. Play by text. I've gotten into even doing little side scenes and then like recording the audio in OBS and then sharing the audio in the Discord. Because then it's like, hey, if you're interested, you want the little extra side story. Here you go. And if you don't want to fuck with it, you don't have to fuck with it. I love that shit because I'm just like, oh, just like I get a little story podcast <laughs> yeah. with my friends. It's so fun. I love it's that cute. shit. It's super good. And I also just like, this is me personally. I don't really have any very strong like, no, don't do that mm-hmm. when I play a game. Like, I think my big one is just like no hardcore sex. Like, mm-hmm. other than that, I'm kind of fine with yeah. whatever as long as it's not overly excessive. But if even if I was like a big like, I don't want that in my game, I would feel kind of bad. Mm-hmm. If other players had been like, well, I, I made my character to be a knife fighter. Mm-hmm. That's his main thing. I was like, well, I don't want any like violence. Yeah. So like, I feel that could be a good way to help people feel like they're not subtracting from the other players fun while trying to make themselves comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good give and take there too. Cause I know, and I'm not saying that anyone who does that is guilty of doing that, mm-hmm. but that is a fear of mine is sometimes I feel like if I'm not necessarily into something that's going on, I'd also don't want to be like, well, you guys can't have that fun though. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. So uh, how would one work like long-term projects and plot hooky things into games? I would suggest generally as a storyteller, presenting projects as plot hooks as from uh, NPCs is a good way to be like, hey, I'm going to introduce this project idea. So, uh, you know, fucking, you know, Joe Hope so-and-so is like, hey, I need you to do this thing. Job offer, prospects. Boom. Boom. There you go. Also gives, you know, people reasons to interact with the world around them and NPCs and build relationships. Um But when you do this, um, I would say don't force this NPC dropping the plot hook to be the thing that makes your whole story go. Because, you know, the forever problem in D&D where, you know, the party's meeting at a tavern and there's a mysterious stranger in the corner and nobody interacts with him. And he's like, I needed that guy to give you the fucking plot hook. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have it set up in a way where it's like, it's an offer. Just like, eh. But if the players refuse, I think punishing them with lack of game and story or aggression 
or very high aggression from NPCs would be ridiculous. Like I can understand if an NPC is like, hey, I have this job offer for you. And somebody's like, eh, not interested. That NPC just might not show up and you don't have access to them as resources or contacts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if something comes up later and they're just like, eh, I don't really feel good for the, uh, I don't really feel good about this guy because he kind of turned down my thing. So like, eh, I'm not going to really help him, but I'm not going out of my way to murder him. Right. You know. Yeah. The only time. Well, there's always like other ways you can deliver the plot hook Mm -hmm. in general. You know, you're in the party tavern and there's the mysterious stranger in the corner who party decides to just fuck around the bar all night instead. And then they get drunk and they go to bed and they wake up and someone has like reverse pickpocketed something into one of their bags. And it's like, hey. And it's a note. And, you know, like in their in the note is a thing they noticed on the cloaked guy. Or like. It makes him even spookier because he snuck into your fucking room. (laughs) Gets it in your pockets. Or stuck it in your pockets. In like vampire, you know, like people are fucking around um, getting drunk in their own Mm -hmm. vampiric way. It's like we've talked about causing problems, start a fight. Mm -hmm. Well, they get it over the heads. Mysterious character like very quickly ends the fight and is like, you owe me. Right. Just like, I'm going to collect when I feel like it, but. All right, you dumb shit. You owe me. I will call you. Mm -hmm. Or right something like that or i mean if you could even want to go back to like D mm-hmm. where it's like okay you didn't talk to uh our favorite lord of the rings character being spooky in the back corner mm-hmm. um well they didn't get that warning he was going to give them but they might get a messenger the next day that instead of having like two days notice like oh there's an army of trolls coming Mm-hmm. so they just they'll the, be here in 12 hours it's slightly 24 it's slightly more pressing and even yeah. in, if game wise you don't make it harder for them mm-hmm. they just feel a little more pressure when it's like well that guy would have told you but you guys didn't do it so now i'm making it feel more important even if it's mm-hmm. not just you're putting that story pressure on them yeah because mm-hmm. if you have like the villager runs into town and they're just like beat to fuck and they're just like oh god there's trolls oh my god you're at least giving the players a beat to be like, oh, it's time for us to go be heroes. Or then go, I don't fucking want to deal. Let's go. <laughs> like, I don't want to fucking do this. Um, I, I do kind of make a point in uh, trying to maintain player agencies, respecting people's bounds and consents and whatnot. If you as a storyteller have a plot beat that comes up and if the players do not engage with it, the story cannot go forward. I don't think that's inherently bad. Just make sure that if that's the case, just bring it up ahead of time. It's like, hey, guys, I have an adventure where you're going to go into a spooky cave. So they're going to have to go into the spooky cave to make the fucking plot go. Yeah. Tell them ahead of time. You can't just be like, hey, uh, you're, you're starting the game in this urban environment and people are building all these like city slicker kind of characters and then you drop them in a fucking cave Boom. with no warning. They're right. just going to be fucked. That's not fun mm-hmm. for yeah. most people. Also, um, this is a story of something I dealt with very early on in my STDM stories. Uh, I had a big adventure set up, you know, um, they were supposed to, really simple, that they're supposed to, like, break into the Mages Guild and steal some, like, confiscated items for someone. Mm-hmm. Really simple. Well, they instead decided to steal a boat and leave the continent. Oh. <laughs> um, so all of a sudden, they just started a pirate adventure. So it's like, okay, well, now we're playing that game instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally said, okay, you can do that. The game has to end now, and I have to completely reshape my entire campaign unless you guys want to go back and finish things up here now. Yeah, like you-, you can literally say, I have nothing planned for this because you guys, um, I had planned for A, B, and C and you guys did J. So we, you know, at most, at, or at least 
go eat some pizza. Give me like 20 minutes to like write out a quick outline of what the fuck we're going to do instead. Mm-hmm. I think just taking a break and being like, all right, you players want to do this. I'm not going to say no, but like you guys go have a beer and chat. I need to take some new fucking notes real quick. Mm. Yeah, because at that point it's like, all right, if you guys wanted to play like uh, Barbie Treasure Planet, like that's cool. Y'all didn't fucking tell me. So I storyteller now need some time right so well, i think that can all pretty much be solved in a good rule zero too oh yeah. hell yeah um or session zero sorry but yeah so that's my kind of notes for at least if you're a storyteller just presenting things as like here's an option don't fucking railroad people without talking ahead of time uh and when you're dealing with uh storytellers and players in the moment uh in integrating projects as part of the role-playing setting scenes uh for players working as in detail like we did with uh Bana Hakim and his car, which again, weirdly wholesome. Yeah. Does I think God, yeah, him and then the the math Malkavian were just way too wholesome for this world. I think uh, the other side of the table made up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Y'all <laughs> we were did. spicy. Uh but yeah, also just having uh NPCs giving players updates on the projects yeah. is always good as a little role play moment of yeah, you're working on things, your cell phone goes off, and it's like so-and-so from the bank. And they're like, hey, the loan's been finalized. I just need you to come in and sign this paperwork. And then they get to be like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then other players are like, the fuck was that call about? And then you can talk about the fucking project. And, mm-hmm. you know, people can engage with that or not. Right. Little little moments like that. A um, way for you to give a moment to your player to then make the connection of, oh, my gosh, my coterie mate could help me with this project. And now I have an opportunity to share it. Yeah, or, you know, having NPCs be nosy about, like, what the fuck's going on. They're just like, hey, I've seen you driving in this neighborhood. You're normally not over there. What the fuck are you doing? Or, you know, NPCs that could offer support where they're just like, I see you've bought a gallery. I have this artist that I've been Googling that I would love to see their work showing up. How much can I pay you in boons to get them in the fucking gallery? Right. Tons and tons of options. Please use them. Or even if you want, you can have acts of nature. (laughs) Make things more difficult if you want to throw in complications where it's like, yeah, they spent all this time building up a club and everything's about to go great. And then, oh, no, there was a flood or a big storm. And now the coterie needs to rally to get the things worked so that the battle of the bands can go off or whatever the fuck's going on. Mm -hmm. So tons of options. There are definitely times where I feel like one player has like a side option Mm -hmm. that they want to work on. And then all of a sudden that just becomes everyone's quest. Mm hmm. And the main story is still there, but like, no, but we gotta, we gotta make sure that Jacob wins this art contest. Mm-hmm. That's what we're all th- working on right now. <laughs> the guy we're supposed to put on ice, we'll get to that. But first, we need to get him enough marble. And <laughs> where the fuck are we gonna steal fifty pounds of marble on a Thursday night? <laughs> I'm double cheeked up on a Tuesday. This is some <laughs> horseshit. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's again another situation of like I don't really have a hard and fast rule. This is just kind of it depends on the dynamics of your group and the vibe and mm-hmm. just be open to yes and things or propose ideas if people just seem kind of stuck. Uh as a player, propose ideas and character to get feedback from NPCs and your coterie. I super recommend this. Just 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 stick some shit out and see what happens because you know you're just like hey i have this idea either you guys can talk about it and the coder is like fuck yeah or they just go eh, it doesn't make sense how about this other idea and you can build something that's even better and more cool bum, 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 bum. you might be surprised by ending up with an even better idea than you had expected bum, 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 bum. oh my god friendship 
Hell yeah. It's like when you put more than one brain in a pot together and let them just kind of goop around together. They make better goop than just one brain gooping by itself. God, I love goop soup. Goop soup. Brain goop soup. Brain goop soup. Also, as a storyteller, let me tell you, you motherfuckers, how much I prefer it when players are like, hey, I have fucking ideas. And I'm like, great. Yeah. I grab that so hard. (laughs) Because... God damn it. Uh, I I have found more times than not, if I spend the time writing the novels of every little fucking detail and every little fucking thing, I'm going to be spending a lot of time and effort on stuff that people just aren't going to engage with or they're going to kind of slide over the details. And that's just a lot of stress and effort that I've put out on myself for no fucking reason. So I want you as the players to tell me what the fuck you want. Yes. <laughs> yeah. One, and as, Absolutely. As a player, like get excited, mm-hmm. write for... In D&D, I feel like, I don't know your D&D games, but at least the way I see it in a lot of D&D games, a player walks in with a three-page long character backstory, mm-hmm. and you're like, cool, pick three sentences out of that that'll come back up, and then the rest is for you to role play, because mm-hmm. we have a series of dungeons laid out in front of us. Right. Like, yeah, but It's cool if you're an alcoholic, but you know. <laughs> in Vampire, I feel like the opposite has happened. If you give your player or your ST like three pages of backstory for your 90-year-old uh, early 20s vampire, like they will have that stuff come back. And that's something they can go back and reference a little easier than in mm-hmm. other games. Like in Call of Cthulhu, you know, that's not exactly, you know, oh, no, your wife is part of the cult, but... No one's going to be like, wow, you're a real dick in the 40s and you pissed <laughs> off a lot of people like that's less likely to come up in a game like that. Whereas yeah. in Vampire, it's like you pissed off a lot of people in the 40s. It's 2023 and they're still pissy at you about it. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe <laughs> just maybe you shouldn't let them win the auction. I don't know. Just eh. rivalries happens. It happens. Yeah. It's just um. Yeah, I my my big fear as an ST and a player is that I am putting out things that are not fun or engaging for other people around me. I that's my perpetual fear. Mm-hmm. So I would would I would lack some fucking input. Whether it's a hey, I have a thing I'd like to do, and I'm like, great, I'm happy to yes and. Or it's like, hey, this thing you proposed, that's a cool idea. Can we run with that? And I'm like, fuck yeah, teamwork, homie, let's go. But you know, when either people are not telling me things. Or if I'm putting out ideas constantly and not getting any feedback, I'm just like, am I wasting all of our times? Mm, yeah. I hope not. That drives me bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've also, I've gotten to play with a couple different STs in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I've tried different approaches to making characters. And this is just what I think works. Is I found that like the more I let myself get excited and write that backstory for a character, the more I'm ready to step into a scene with an idea of how they might interact with that world Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and that can be harder for a new player i will definitely admit that but there's a game or two that i tried to be like i'm gonna come up with kind of a loose character and feel it out Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is a lot slower too and i feel like that holds you back as you're going because you don't have a lot to springboard off so even if you can write like half a page yeah 10 sentences of backstory be like this is when they were turned this is what they're doing before they turned Mm -hmm. This is what the they had to leave behind and they've been up to for the last five years. Mm-hmm. You can do that in a couple sentences for each of those. You'll be like a good idea of where the character is going. Whereas like if you show up with basically just an archetype like I've tried, it sometimes doesn't. Yeah, I ar- archetype can be fine, but it might be good to just like give yourself like a couple of goals or ambitions or something mm-hmm. that you're like it's. 
It's not like that's on the character sheet of a thing. But, you know, having just an idea of something to be doing. Goals and ambitions are great ways to mark your your projects, too. Mm -hmm. You know, you say, okay, my my ambition... I always forget which one's more important on the character. Ambition is the long term. Yeah, okay, thank you. Your ambition is own the docks. Mm -hmm. Fuck off with Ballard. Yeah. And fuck off ghost yeah fuck <laughs> off you ballard i want the docks that's your that's your ambition your desire might be a step along the way to that and so while you're accomplishing your goals you're also getting bonus experience nudge nudge to the players nudge nudge um mm-hmm. but yeah that's cool yeah. yeah and then back to storytellers one of my favorite pieces of advice i reached out like a the fucking nerd that i am to ganon reedy mm-hmm. uh who did the uh game master for neo scum huh. the Shadowrun podcast and i was like hey man i really like what you do with Shadowrun, and i'm gonna be running it with a friend of mine and so for some friends can you give me some advice on like how to make it like crunchy and fun like that but also not like so fucking much because it's Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. and his whole thing was pretty much what we've been kind of saying which is just like listen to your players they're gonna tell you exactly what to do mm-hmm. so when as a storyteller there have been times even as for myself a player will hand me the character sheet and i will read their backstory and be like cool but like i won't then immediately like take notes or try to remember like neat stuff about it to pick up and bend them in a little u-shape and then sharpen one side of it Mm -hmm. and then tie it to a string it's a hook um (laughs) and then give it back to them Mm -hmm. you know and and you can very easily attach that hook to the story that you're wanting to Mm -hmm. to to tell as well you know um you're trying to tell the story i'm going to keep using gideon's dock as an example because it's it's a good one though you're trying to tell the story of like a smallish relatively newish coterie to the city like establishing themselves in the city and like dealing with the bullshit that's going on well, this guy is trying to do that, but also kind of do the illegal thing of moving the the, mm-hmm. the the anarchs. And so you, I don't know if you as the storyteller had planned mm-hmm. on already having like a fair amount of weird anarch interactions for NPCs. But mm-hmm. like the more I started putting like effort into that, the more those characters kind of started showing up, mm-hmm. which was kind of a neat way to show that like oh gideon is establishing these networks yeah and uh, they don't necessarily know he's doing it very mm-hmm. well yet so they don't show the like gratitude or like yeah you're on our side buddy but mm-hmm. they're starting to show up more often mm-hmm. which i thought was cool oh good yay <laughs> i'm glad yeah because i i try to with storytelling uh have more of the world exist the more players interact with it because i don't see the point of like I've built this citadel with markets and universities and churches and spending all this time building a fucking city with a big-ass fucking map with, uh, yes, I have the name of every shop and the inventory of every shop and every restaurant menu. Like, that's... I am an adult who has a fucking day job. I go to college and I fuck. I don't have time to be writing all this shit, me personally. So I don't bother with that shit unless it's something players are engaging in because they're like, oh, hey, yeah, we're really into this tavern. And they start like cracking jokes and have a lot of interest in it. I'm like, cool. So they like this tavern. The tavern has specials on Tuesdays. Right. And you, if you come on Tuesday, there will be, you know, more NPCs in the building. So they have more people to interact with. And it's like, oh, hey, that guard you were trying to find there for fucking special Tuesday. Boom. Boom. You've built He's up- already been drinking. He's yeah. been there for an hour. Yeah, you could totally steal his shit. Let's go. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I try to handle that stuff, at least with player agency, is say things that make them go, ah, crow brain. Weaponize the crow brain. Yes. And that, 
I would suggest one of the best things you can do, one of the best things that I've done for myself as an ST that's made me a better ST is play other systems. And I don't just mean like, buy a book to figure it out mm-hmm. i mean like play like the starter set that comes with a pre-written adventure by the creators of that game mm-hmm. and try other game types like i we were talking he was saying earlier you know we ran a shadow run game together we still are it's not done yet yeah we we have two more at least two more missions left yeah we just gotta do, <laughs> do it the thing do yeah the thing. we gotta get we gotta get the group back together it's it always happens we fall apart and then we get back together in the fall yeah. Gotta get the gang together. For it's one like... last heist. The yep. big one. Oh the my big God. one. Hopefully you guys live. I'm proud of you guys. Um, but but yeah, like I think one of the big things that I learned from Shadowrun is like a lot of Shadowrun is heist movies, like planning for a heist. And you can use that for other games and other things. Like maybe they're planning on how to sneak into a elder vampire's mansion and steal something from him. But maybe they're, you know, planning how to socially engineer their way into the VIP in the room in a club so they can talk to an important NPC. Uh, you can give them like heist moments for anything. And I think players like that. And that's when they literally tell you what, how they're going to do something. Mm-hmm. And then you just put the little road bumps for them. And mm-hmm. you pretty much, they're giving you the path they're about to walk right there. Um, same with uh, Call Cthulhu. I love that. I suggest if you're going to ST and you've never tried running it, play it, try it. Because I've heard from other creators who mm-hmm. they view every tabletop game as a mystery. Even if it's the mystery of who we're going to piss off tonight in the club. Like, <laughs> who are we going to get into a fight with in this cave? No matter what, there's always a mystery involved in every adventure. And so, like, learning how to run the basics, I think Call of Cthulhu is great for teaching you how to run mysteries. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you know, social interaction, trying to gather dirt on people. That's the mystery of how that guy fucked up. Um, It's, I think it's very core to writing, and it's a good way to get your players, again, to tell you how they're going to go about it. So it's like, okay, so you need to find out about this guy. Well, how would you guys go about that? Oh, I want to investigate this guy first. We know he works with him. Maybe we can get him to talk. Again, you get your players to like plan in character and then you take notes and you're like, okay, we'll set that up. And next time you're like, all right, well, the guy you want to talk about uh, squeezing for information, he's going to be at this club tonight and he tends to drink a little too much. So that's how you get your players to tell you what you want. They have agency in forming the story and you have agency in building something that you know they're going to engage with. It's a good way to push that back and forth. Mm-hmm. And right. I feel like I made that pitfall really early on as an ST where I'm like, okay, so D&D, they're playing in this area. Here's the continent. So I have to figure out what's going on all over this continent. And then I put my story in the middle of it and then see if the players follow it. And that's like very much the wrong way. I feel like D&D can, especially like the bigger campaigns mm-hmm. and the hex crawls and shit like that yeah. can really be a bad impression on how to start planning an adventure. Mm-hmm. Like a hex crawl is like, all right, let me code 50 different options for the players and they're going to take one. Yeah. Whereas like you can like basically in game get your players to tell you what you want and players don't be afraid to tell your STs your plans and how you want to approach things because that just means they can prep for you to do what you want to do. Like you don't. I think that there's things that like, as as, at least me as a player, I think there, there are times that it's appropriate and fun for you to be like plotting and have like a fun little secret 
surprise even for your storyteller because mm-hmm. as a storyteller it's really i get so stoked sometimes sometimes i'm like god damn it you guys you're so clever god but i get very stoked when i'm like all right i've presented this problem and then out of nowhere a player is like yeah my dude realized that was you've been thinking about that like you know we got the intel about that he's been spending a week preparing this gadget and i'm like we did talk about you working on a gadget what were you doing again and you're, you know mm-hmm. he's like i sent you this whole thing and you're like shit you did didn't you fuck the wall is open good job (laughs) (laughs) oh for sure or just you know i i I have been enjoying with the little larp of just playing this little fucking i just i just i just want to live i just want to vibe but nobody around me will let me and i've just been this goblin of a detective and have a pepe silvia board and it's been nice to be have uh, other players and sts just be like so I see you're trying to put pieces together. Here's more pieces. And I'm like, cool, you've made the board bigger. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Thanks. I, a I, lot. I, I, as a player, fucking love this. In character, absolutely fucking stress. And how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but also, I've discovered the mysteries and just fuck. It is it, was it knowledge you wish you had? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, I just want to study, man. I just, I just want to study. I just want to be left alone. But, you know, it's fine. This Can't is do that. fine. But yeah, so sometimes, you know, you're just foisted by your own petard and you're given projects. And you're just like, cool, I guess I'm doing this now. So Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, I think I think we had a good, hopefully that's some good info and advice and things that will help people with their concerns about projects and making sure that players are able to engage in things and not feel railroaded or yeah. crushed and hopeless in a grim world that is dark. I think it is a grim world and there are, I think that there are times that it's very good to have a player and a character feel a little bit hopeless mm-hmm. especially if you're not just going to grind them to a pulp under it mm-hmm. like I think we talked about that already yeah. you yeah. know being like you're in this situation you're fucked here's a couple ways you could get out you might be able to squeak out what you going to do what you doing MacGyver I mean like in, in the last vampire game we played in when we all found out who your sire was that was a problem yeah, you want to still tell, is. You want to tell people who your sire was? Yeah, it's Helena. Oh, baby girl. Yeah. Baby girl, why? He didn't know. <sighs> He'd been around for a while and did not know. Oh, uh, problematic s- mommy. She yeah. snacked and left. But she legit showed up at an auction that we were running mm-hmm. that one of our coterie mates was auctioning off, what was it, like a pint of worm tainted. Uh, Garu blood. I forget what specific kind. Oh, God. But yeah, auctioning it off to the highest bidder, she shows up and is like, I'm the Empress of the Americas. I'll give you two major boons for it. And they're like, uh, would you like some more bidding? And she's like, no, 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 no. I didn't say that. I said, I'm going to give you these for it right now. Mm-hmm. And then she just took it and was like, shoop, 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 gulp. And then left. And we were like, what the fuck? It's <laughs> like, well, that a, a force of nature arrived. Yeah. And now it is gone. Uh, sorry, she had a conversation with me in the manager's office of an old radio shack that was an abandoned mall. Hot. That was <laughs> no, It was not hot. It was kind of terrifying. <laughs> I mean, nah, it's fine. Yeah, I have problems. Look, <laughs> when... sometimes the scale, sometimes the... Uh, the Venn diagram. The Venn diagram is a circle. Yeah. At this point, it was a figure eight. Where you're just like, they're touching. They're touching, but it, they are not It crossing. could potentially be hot, but currently it is not. Yeah. I believe while that scene was happening, I had trouble focusing 
because I was plotting how my character was just going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's time to go. It's time to get out of here. We gotta go. I, I was like, all right, so if I get a hold of my mage friend, he can take me into another dimension. We'll just do a bunch of LSD. We're going <laughs> to drive out of Vancouver through a wormhole, and I'll never have to see any of them again. <laughs> Great. Thanks. <laughs> Speaking of going. Yeah. Is it time? You, thank you, Paralyze, for the music. It yeah. is time. It is time now for music. Yes, we say goodbye. Also want to thank everyone who came out to Gen Con. We we were recording Hell this yeah. three days before Gen Con. Hell yes. So stoked. Thank we're, you. We were stoked for friends. Thank you for doing things. I'm stressed out as a motherfucker, but it's fine. But you yeah. won't be by the time they're listening to this. No. You still will be. I'll probably be hungover. will be a, as much stuff. <laughs> I'll be napping. Me You'll too, be napping. Actually. I'll probably be sleeping. I'll probably be hungover. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a sleepy-headed nap cell. Hell yeah. Um, a little sleepy boy. Um, I'm going to agree with Hunter. Thank you for hanging out with us if you hung out with us. If you didn't hang out with us and you're still listening to this, thank you for listening to this. But I'm a little bit disappointed that you didn't come hang out with us. But if you came and hung out with and you're still listening, thank oh you. Yeah. <laughs> Double thanks. Yeah. Uh, you're a gem. Fucking idiots. <laughs> uh, we spent all day putting together a zine for our live show and one of the local LARPs. There were physical copies. I am going to do my best to get it re-edited to be viewed on a computer and not hand cut together and put together as a magazine. So that is coming. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a future episode when I have it ready. But we did put together a little like quick consent guide. Sarah wrote uh, some great tips in that. Did a lot of art. I did a bunch of art for it. Skipper took some photos. Like It was a group project. We sat around with one of our friends. Thank you, John, for coming over and helping us yes. put that together. It was 200 three sheets of paper folded cut stapled together um quality controlled and there's a page number that needed edited so we hand edited one of the page numbers i hand edited my mistake and then there's some secret doodles in those if you get your hands on them also thank you lola blood giving us your blood counter's face to be in the zine yes uh i think did we thank her last episode uh, we can just do it again. It's fine. Well, yeah. She's if still the blood countess. Yeah. Yes. So if we thanked you last episode, Lola, go back to that episode. Listen to it again. Yeah. Press play. You earned it. At the end um, of it, treat yourself. At the end of it, we're going to say thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. thanks to all our other patrons, too. Yeah. Thank you for letting us do this thing. And it's it, it's real now. And I'm scared. Yeah. Now I'm scared. In the future, it'll be fine. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, you like you guys give us stuff to do it, and that's really sweet of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting us be dumbasses on the yeah. internet. Uh, we appreciate yeah. it. Our patron money went into helping us get like almost a thousand sheets of paper printed and ready, and equipment we needed to put this zine together, including like industrial staplers and mm-hmm. staple removers. And uh, I won't. Say, I'll, I can't say with pe- good conscience that that staple remover was industrial. The staple no. remover was not. We had to buy a blade. I just used my knife. I threw a pizza party for all my volunteer ploys. <laughs> yes, he kept us from dying of lack of calories. Me getting hangry. Yeah, d- John hangry's bad time. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to engage Drunk. with us on social medias, I guess we still technically have a Twitter right now. We'll yeah. see how that goes. I guess we have an X Twitter. No, we're not called, no. Twister? Fuck. No. It's at blank underscore bodies. We also exist on Instagram at blank bodies pod. And also the Tumblr is Blank Bodies Pod. TikTok, I've been making memes of Blank Bodies Podcast. If you have questions about the game and want more direct answers, please ping me. I will talk to you on there. Uh, we also have an interview series. If you're doing cool projects in goth and horror and gaming, 
related bullshit, we would love to talk about it because it's cool things. And we do the DIY. And if you do too, hell yeah. Yeah, cool ladies and dudes that I met at uh, Gen Con and probably gave you a business card to talk to. Uh, let's actually, you know, keep in touch. I If I told, gave you a card, I really am interested in having you on the show. So it was rad meeting you, future friend. I agree. We actually have business cards. Yeah, and pins. Uh, we got t- we've got exclusive t-shirts for the live show, though, mm-hmm. if there is interest, as he rankles a salty sack of pins. Yes. It's we like got them our put very together. Our rainmaker. Yeah, we yeah. got the pins Made put together pins. by a local guy, and Patreon Money was able to help us support a local uh, business person. And I think he's now, uh, I think now, it was a guy I know who, I don't know if he wants his name said on the podcast, so I'm not going to say it, but a guy used to play in bands with, used to, has been doing pins for like all the local bands for a long time. I think his uh, stepson runs it now and uses it for, so he has some spending money, oh, so that's really yeah. cute. That's dope as fuck. Um, I, I was really cool to help them out. So that was rad. Um, thank you, Sam, too. We're just going to thank everyone yes. uh, for helping us. We're going to have some, like I said, we're going to have some T-shirts available uh, exclusively at the live show. But people have shown interest, so we'll probably do a pre-order set soon. Yeah. So We will have very limited stock at the live show, so we're sorry if you don't. We took pre-orders in the Discord, and I think we got like two, extras. two extras of like every size. Um, we're going to look into tall. I know there's some people who wanted tall and some bigger sizes that weren't available on this run. So if you're interested and that's something you need, you know, we want to be as inclusive and helpful to everyone. So if you talk to us, we can try and get that figured out as well. Hell yeah. Um, I'm running on four hours of sleep. We I should need start to... a mailing letter. We'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, I'm yeah, running on four hours of sleep and I have so much, so much to do. Yeah. yeah, I gotta go mow, and it's like ten o'clock. <laughs> the Your unwholesome task of night mowing. It's okay. I have an electric mower with headlights. So what the? F- okay, we need to end the show. Can we? Can we go? Can we end the show? No. Can we end the show? We there's stay a lawnmower. Here forever. There's a lawnmower with headlights. It's electric powered, so it's not that loud. It's electric. God, we are fucking tired. Oh, yeah. I have to kiss us out, don't I? Yeah, lie. you do. You don't have to say it like that, though. Oh. Mwah. Get out!